biggest episode of the year! It's not quite the last episode of the year, but wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who absolutely refuses to use the word best. And, And because of that, he uh, always wears his Sunday finery. <laughs> Christian Spicer! Hello, Christian! Hello. Best Hanukkah and best Christmas to everybody out there. Whoa. Thanks for spending another best year with us. Whoa. And I'm so excited to tell you about my finery clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. you know, we're here. We're here. We're at the end of the year. Actually, we've got one more episode before the official end of the year, but that's going to be our big predictions episode. But this is the one. This is the one where we crown the best Oh, wait, record scratch, not best game of the year. It can be your best. It's just my favorite. Oh, man. No, Christian has put the kibosh on best. He refuses to allow it. Spit that word out of your mouth, says Christian Spicer. He won't. He put his foot down. No best. It's our favorite (laughs) game of the year. And every year now, it has become our tradition, our holiday tradition to welcome one of our favorite guests to help us sort through all the releases, come up with our top five lists. A lot of people do top 10 lists, not us. We make it hard on ourselves. We do top five lists. And that's what we do with our guest. You know him from GameRant.com. He's one of our favorite guests here on the show, Mr. Anthony Taormina. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Jeff. I'm here for the thing at the end of the year. Yes, you're our MVP, so you got to be here. Help us get through. Uh, help us talk about games that we don't have on our list that people get very angry about. Yes, this is this is what we always talk about each year. I'm here to nominate or select the games that will not even make it on either of your two lists. <laughs> so that when people go, well, Christian and Jeff didn't play this game, you guys can go, well, Anthony played it. Yeah. Like Red Dead last year, basically. You are our angry email deflector. It's uh, it's really nice to have you. I appreciate it. Uh, you are is- our JJ. <laughs> yes, oh. yes. <laughs> I think uh, he's got plenty of his own angry emails this time around, though. <laughs> uh, I am so excited uh, about this episode. I am excited about it every year. I feel like this year, you know, I made a big deal about it. And, well, you know, let's just let the song explain it. Because the song explains it better than I could. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to award our favorite game of the year based on an incomplete sampling. And I feel like this year, I I say it every year, 
And I say this year more than any other, and I, this year I mean it more than any other. So it keeps getting crazier. And I feel like this year is, is a huge leap forward in the incomplete sampling nature of what we're going to be talking about. Because I feel personally, I'm sure you guys are not in this boat, but personally I feel wildly unqualified to even come up with this list this year because I feel like there's so many more games out there that I never got a chance to play. I also was out the game for eight weeks with when my eye exploded. I feel like I have this big hole, not only in my, my vision, (laughs) but also in my, my gaming year of stuff that came out that I didn't really play through. Uh, It's uh, it's crazy, but, but you know, we say it every year. It's, it really is our personal favorites based on the games that we were able to play. And that's another reason that we have Anthony here is because he plays way more games. I'm here to fill the hole. Yeah. I'm here to fill the hole. The hole in my eye and the hole in my heart. Yes. And the I'm, hole in I'm our here for, I'm here for the guy that to be the guy that played way too many video games, didn't get a lot of sleep. And I wonder each year how I did it. But somehow. How, how do you do it? Uh, I don't know. My either. family doesn't even know who I am anymore. That must be so nice. <laughs> what's dad doing? I don't know, honey. Let's go catch him on stream and see. No, it's pretty much, what, what's, yeah. what's dad doing? Who? Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, uh, but no, stream. it's exciting. I should thank Sean Madigan for that awesome bumper. We only get to play it one episode a year, and I think it's my favorite bumper of all. Uh, and I love how it explains, you know, it's our favorites. It's our favorite. So we're going to talk about that. Like I said, five games in our lists not top tens top five so it's cutthroat it's ruthless it's brutal what games are in what games are out the list also we do another five games but those aren't our six through ten no 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 those are hidden gems dark horses games that you might not hear many other people talk about just games that probably wouldn't make a top 10 list but still are are important enough in our hearts to mention at the end of the year we might have some fun other categories. We're just going to review 2019 as it slides into home. And uh, and we'll put a little button on top of it. Um, so, guys, should we should we dive right in? I'm ready to dive right in. I'm also ready for my annual tra- tradition of uh, squeezing in an extra game in my top five list. So don't I don't want to narrow our listeners to think that I actually only have five. Mm. <laughs> I'm holding up my end of the bargain. Oh, Christian is all about the ampersands. Christian is all about <laughs> ruining the Google Docs of the guy who nicely puts together the list each year. Yeah, he's just, just destroying perfectly f- formatted Excel spreadsheets. And then we look like we're uh, missing one because we have the empty space. Great. Uh, <laughs> ugly. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. And as per tradition, we don't start with our list. We're going to start uh, talking about the year that was 2019. Uh, boy, a brutal year for me personally. But uh, let's talk about video games. Um, it was a year of big news stories. And uh, we covered a lot on DLC over the year. I'm wondering what you guys consider to be your biggest, your the, the, uh, what you think is the most impactful, the kinds of video game news that will define 2019 when we look back on it when hindsight is 2020 you <laughs> see what i did there yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. so anthony what what do you think is is the biggest video game news story of 2019 i mean i feel like there's only real really like one choice for the biggest it might not be what i think will be the most impactful but i mean you can't go 
against both Sony and Microsoft saying, here are our new consoles. They're coming. Maybe not like fully unveiling them, but confirming that the next generation will start next year. Yeah. And we got the look, a look at one of them, uh, an actual uh, image and and the real name. I mean, I think we know the real name of the Sony console as well, but I think they've, I think they said as much. 4.5. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, and uh, and that is exciting. I think that is going to be a big news story for 2020, being new consoles. Uh, also, you know, we got Stadia launching, which I don't know, Anthony. Do you consider that a new console? Uh, well, it may show up later in the lit, and you know, when we're talking about the year. But yes, I do consider <laughs> that a, a, a thing that happened, but maybe not an impactful <laughs> thing that happened. Well, do you think? Do you do you consider it a console? Do you think it's a was a console launch, or is it just something? Uh, no, I would say yeah. no. I would say. I mean, no. I would say that Darksiders Genesis is priced like it is on console. <laughs> sure, fair enough. But yeah, Even I would. It's I, cheaper on PC. Yeah. It's more a personal opinion, but yeah, it's. I would say no. Uh, so Christian, new consoles, PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X. We're setting up 2020 to be a massive year in video gaming. Do you sense any trends from 2019 that will, I you know, that will color what those things are that will that are different than what you expected? I mean, I think everybody was looking at the. 2020 as being the big launch year even you know a year ago at this time we were looking at probably won't be 2019 it'll probably be 2020 but do you think that the course of 2019 has altered your expectation of what those are going to be to some extent yes so i would say off that prompt um i would say that the trends that we'll continue to see that have been colored from 2019 into 2020 will be further exploiting your own release schedule and release window and whether or not Microsoft and Sony will be at E3, I think is a different issue entirely for this year with, you know, their new consoles coming out. But I think we're going to see even more and more and more of, you know, games getting announced when they want to um, by directly by the publisher and relying less on the large tentpole events that we've seen in the past. And then the other thing that I think um, we're going to see from these consoles that has seems like it's a very important thing now as this current generation winds down and the next one starts up is access to games, quick access to games. Microsoft talked about it a little bit by having several games in a suspend state on the Series X. Um, Sony's talked about it some by talking about like instant play. Um, that's certainly a big prom- a premise behind Stadia, you know, no patches, no downloads, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that. It's going to be delivered in different ways. But I think that is going that is the thing coming out of 2019 into 2020 that I think um, whatever you want to call them, platforms, experiences, <laughs> consoles are going to kind of double down on. Yeah. And I think one of the big stories of 2019 when we're talking about the next consoles is what we've learned so far about those consoles and what we've learned seems to be that this console generation, at least from Sony and Microsoft, is going to be defined by quicker hard drives, quicker solid state hard drives that reportedly will allow for shorter load times and ray tracing, right? Those are the two key big features, um, standard, you know, 4K resolutions up to 8K resolutions, but what they're promising are, you know, full backwards compatibility, quick loads, and ray tracing. Anthony, do you think that is 
enough to get excited about? Oh, I, I mean, if it if they deliver it as they promise it, I think it could be great. I think that yeah. as somebody who plays a game like Destiny that on basic consoles versus PC or even Stadia is just getting longer and longer to load, having a game that you know, can instantly transition between between things is going to be huge. I think the other um, element of the ray tracing to be able to like show off things, I'm a little concerned that, you know, they don't, uh, they don't highlight the frame rate thing. Cause I think that's a bigger thing for me, but I know they just kind of say it and say it will be 60 frames easy. Um, but I do think, yeah, the load, the load times are, are one of the elements that should be should be huge because there were a lot of games I played on console, especially like Fallen Order or um, uh, Destiny got worse. There was a couple other ones that nothing comes to mind, but like the idea of playing a game that like punishes you and you die and you have to sit through a load screen kind of takes away the yeah, fun of that. But for sure, um, if they can get rid of that, I think that would be huge, especially just for from a perspective of I want to play this game. And I want to be able to be in the moment for as long as possible and never get taken out of it. That I think that could yeah. be huge. Yeah, you know, it's it, those things we we hear those promises every generation, and then it seems like the actual things that they're doing on screen. You know, they say, "Oh, we're going to have the the power to have better AI this year," or "We're going to have the power to have really high frame rates this time." Uh, and then, of course, they're like, well, no, we pushed the boundaries and we're basically still just pushing 30 frames per second and all the enemies are pretty dumb because what we want to do is have that hair that flows like hair and that skin that looks like skin. And, and I appreciate all that, but it's interesting how, you know, it'll be, it remains to be seen if we're actually going to get load times that are instantaneous or if it'll be, yeah, the load times are instantaneous when you're playing PlayStation 4 and Xbox One games backwards compatible on it. But when we're playing the new games, that are pushing the things harder because we're trying harder. Maybe it'll still be load times. Who knows? I'm hopeful. And I agree with you that it could be a really um, impactful. What's going to be the thing thing. in games that hides load times now, you know, what's going to be next generations crawling through a tiny crevice. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It'll be crawling through a ray traced crevice. Ooh. Okay. Go on. I'm, I'm in Christian. Same question to you. I mean, are, are you, are you down for this? Are you excited? Is it, is it, I mean, we're going to do our big predictions episode next week. So you don't have to go to too many predictions, but no, I, I am very excited. I think, you know, as someone who there already thinks there are too many games and too few time, uh, being able to jump in and out of games is huge. There, there have been instances where I keep playing a game because it is the one that is in the sleep state. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. Me too. Oh, if I, if I stop red dead now and start, you know, something else, I'm never going to go through those five, welcome screens again <laughs> um so i think that is huge and and then I, ray tracing you know when i i built my pc and then started playing control and i just sat in front of i got into a hallway with a bunch of glass on both sides and i was like ray tracing on ray tracing off ray tracing on <laughs> ray tracing off oh ray tracing on yeah oh ray tracing off and then i sent that video to too many friends <laughs> I, I i think i think it is going to be the type of thing that we won't realize how, I mean, yes, I'm very excited for it. And I think at the end of this next, next generation, you know, this upcoming generation, we won't realize how incredible that stuff is just to have in games until you go back to like, I'm going to pick last of us remastered or God of war, like beautiful games on this gen. And we'll play them again. And just be like, 
something's just not right about yeah. this and yeah. that it'll be that that real time the the ray tracing and call of duty this year it's the light is so incredible yeah. um and i think we're going to get spoiled by that i i tend to agree yeah i think we looked at stuff this year or you know 2018 2019 going oh that's so bo- beautiful we don't even know from beautiful yet i think it's exciting all right so christian how about you same question what is your story of the year so I, I there's two, um, and one is, and it will yet to be seen to what extent it bears its fruit, but it's Xbox Series X and their commitment to backwards compatibility, everything, it seems like, from their accessibility controller, which I think is awesome, to their old controllers. They'll have a new controller, but OG Xbox games, Xbox 360 games, they talked about how on Xbox One they kind of stopped um, bringing some of those old 360 games forward because of the work it entailed on Xbox Series X is being designed, it seems like, my understanding, just to kind of play everything. I think that's huge. And they talked about just bringing your library with you. I think that was something that we all got over, but that was a real bummer going from Xbox 360 to Xbox One at first. You had this great collection of Xbox Live Arcade games, as they were called then, and to not have those. Um, they talked about how your saves just come with you. So if I'm able to plug in my Series X and, you know, go start running around in, uh, you know, Gears 5 again or whatever I'm doing, right? And my save is there, the game is there, all that stuff just carries over. That's massive. So it kind of was at the end of the year. So I'm sure recency is playing an effect for why I think that's such a big story. But I, I think that's huge, especially if it if it bears its fruit. And then the other one is it came you know, over the course of the year and from sunny Southern California here, it's, it's getting cloudy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're seeing all of these cloud services, Stadia air quote out, um, project X cloud, uh, Amazon announcing their, you know, or pre-announcing a rumored to be launching their own. Uh, I, I, and I think it was Reggie who said that is the future, but he thinks it's a decade away from becoming mainstream. I think there will be a point when we look back at 2019 and being like, that's when I first tried a cloud game or a streaming service. Kind of like, I remember when I got my first iPhone, I, I think that is the, the culmination of the biggest story of 2019 is the, the realization of, of streaming games. It's interesting uh, on a number of levels. First of all, I went back last year. Your biggest story of the year was Stadia last Great. year. And it's, it's funny to me. You talk about that exactly how I talk about VR, where I was like three years in a row. I was like, the biggest news is that VR is here. And you're like, it's not here if you said it last year, too. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from on that. And I think it's also telling that both of you talked about big stories this year from the perspective of what they mean for the future in, this, in the sense of like the both of the stories are like what what's going to happen. Yeah. Instead, of, it feels like 2019 was a bit of a, you know, you're holding down X and when you release it, you'll do the jump. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, this is like the, the crouching and, and ready to jump and we're not quite jumping. Uh, if into- I may, I mean, my other, the other thing that I had written down, but I, I don't feel like there's anything satisfying that came out of it per se, but it, I think it's big maybe and ultimately how it maybe doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But I feel like 2019, Activision Blizzard kind of turned full heel. You know, they laid everybody off. The Hong Kong and they had a it was 
It's a huge story. Those are huge stories. And there's not even just one story. Like you said, there were the 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 uh, layoffs happened several months before the Hong Kong thing happened. And yeah. uh, it was it was February when the all those crazy layoffs happened where they uh, more than a thousand jobs were cut from uh, Activision. And uh, it was a lot of PR people for Blizzard. It was a lot of people from B- Blizzard in total. And then <laughs> just a few months later, we have this Hong Kong banning issue where Blizzard became the story, became a political story uh, for refusing to, to support the revolution happening in Hong Kong, the protests happening in Hong Kong, and trying to silence players that were playing their games uh, on their streams from talking about that protest and showing their support. And I think that fed into BlizzCon, which was this crazy question mark and then they had to announce all these you know big things and people were asking about it 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 undoubtedly 2019 will be always remembered for that and i think turning heel is a really you know pretty appropriate way to talk about it you know it's certainly from my perspective as somebody who's been a big blizzard fanboy for a long time to look at them now i don't look at them you know i'm seeing hollywood hogan i'm not seeing the Hulkamaniacs, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing NWO Hogan. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, it's, it's sad to me. And it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with that company. I'm still, you know, excited about the things that they've announced. And but, Morheim leaving. And I mean, there's, yeah. we could do a blizzard of story. I mean, 2019 yeah. is huge. I just don't know. You did a really good job recapping it. I just don't know if it's satisfying to talk about as like a big. And you're like, and that happened. And well, then, I think you have to acknowledge that that was that was, I think, probably the biggest news story of 2019. All told, yeah. you know, like the in, the goings on at that company, the taking over of a new president of the company, and his first act that defined him was, you know, <laughs> this stepping in it really. Uh, creating this controversy and really angering and frustrating a, lo- a huge fan base. That's it, something that's going to have ripples forever uh, in in the Activision Blizzard relationship and Blizzard as a company individually. Uh, what do you think about that, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I agree. It was it was a major turning point from a lot of different perspectives. I think, um, you know, it did it did a lot for how we view like the esports quote unquote athlete or however you want to categorize them and their ability to kind of impact an audience and impact certain things, um, impact change. And, and it did a lot for how we view um, companies that have relationships. I, I think a lot of people don't realize or didn't realize before this, like the types of relationships that developers and publishers have with non foreign government, yeah, non gaming <laughs> yeah. entities. You yeah. know, it's, it's, I equate it to like the, um, the overabundance of, uh, like Chinese actors and Chinese settings that were in movies a couple years ago, where it was like they're trying to win over this audience that is growing. And at the same time, they're trying to treat everything very, very carefully. 
but you have to like, you can't play both sides. You can't want to welcome in an audience and support um, those people and then say, well, we also want to be, be beholden to a government and how they feel about certain things. You can't, you can't really play both sides. And it was the first time that uh, a company had to, had to say like, look, we have a good relationship with the government on top of the people and we're going to take the side of the government. And everybody went, nope. Okay. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it was a massive story and it's worth, uh, worth looking back on it and recognizing, you know, it's just something we talked about episode after episode after episode. And then in during BlizzCon, we, you couldn't help but acknowledge it. And a lot of people actually got angry at us on this show for covering Diablo four and the announcements at BlizzCon with enthusiasm because they felt burned and they felt like anybody supporting Blizzard at this point in any level, even in, in a sort of showing them in a positive light at all was a betrayal of the values that we have as Americans. And I can understand the perspective. I, I absolutely can. And I, I respect people that are holding a company like that to that standard. I think that is useful and to be applauded. Um, and I, you know, I, I only defend my position insofar as I, you know, I'm hoping that they have learned from this and will demonstrate a wiser judgment going forward. And I am not going to deny the fact that I'm excited about their games. Uh, they make games that I'm excited about. Yeah. So. For sure. All right. Uh, I mean, there's lots of other stories here that really I think are a big deal. One of which is that Reggie retired from Nintendo, Reggie Fiamme, yep. uh, retired. And we have Bowser as the new <laughs> VP the or the new uh, president. He was promoted from VP, Doug Bowser. Doug Bowser uh, anytime that, yes, anytime Bowser becomes the president of Nintendo, that's a pretty big story. <laughs> and, uh, and we haven't really seen in, you know, in the way that uh, Jalen Brack at Blizzard, really defined his tenure early on in a ne negative way. It is, it is undeniable, but we haven't really seen anything to define the Bowser era yet. Yeah. Uh, but it will be interesting to see in 2020 how Nintendo is different, how the face of Nintendo is different. Reggie very much the face of Nintendo for 15 years and became even more so, you know, in the second, second half of yeah. that. But I think they were trying to, transition maybe they had some inkling it was happening because we started getting other faces as part of the nintendo directs but yeah, i i true. think yeah it, it's certainly gonna be weird in certain circumstances but i think you know we got we got i don't know his name forgive me for not knowing his name but the snappy guy that from that did all the nintendo switch promotions right that guy yeah you know, i i think that they certainly were preparing their audience for seeing different faces. I, I, who knows if Bowser even he showed up in that one little funny skit with him and Bowser. And that was funny, but I don't know how much of a role he has to play to like replace Reggie. Yeah, it doesn't, he definitely ha doesn't have the responsibility per se of being a public face. He, his, that's not really in the job description, but one hopes that he embraces that. And I feel like, you know, presidents of companies from the Mike Morheims to the Yves Guimons to, you know, it's, I think it's, it's good to have Tim Cook, Elon Musk. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. 
I'll yeah. say something controversial in that I feel like under Reggie's tenure, we had a lot of Nintendo not giving us what we wanted. So I'm hoping that under Bowser, he is a little more uh, receptive to exactly what the fans want to see. Yeah. yeah. Though I, I loved Reggie. I think he was great. I, I can't help but take notice of the fact that like, you know, people were screaming for very specific games and Reggie was would spent more time teasing those games than delivering them. Yes, but then when games were released, they were real good. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm not <laughs> doubting the quality of the games. I'm just pointing out is situations like one Zelda per console is we can, yeah. we can't have that anymore, please. <laughs> we shall see. The Bowser era is in full effect. But that was a big story. I think my certainly my favorite story of the year. And I would argue is a massive story, even if it happened very, very late. And we talked about it very, very recently is that there was a new half-life announced. I mean, I know this is a VR story. And so, uh, you know, you can tell why I'm excited, but the fact that valve is making a new half-life game and it was announced in 2019 is a gigantic bit of news. And, some people may not give it the credence that it potentially deserves because it is a VR game. They may view it as a side project or a, you know, not a true half-life game, but it certainly seems like it is being given the weight of a true half-life game. It's got the length and the, the story progression of a true half-life game by all accounts. So isn't that its full name? Like, colon a true half-life game yes. i think is half-life colon a true half-life game <laughs> the half-life story uh, <laughs> based on a novel by sapphire um it is very exciting to me as somebody who's waited many years for new half-life and loves vr and i think that it is it is a it is a full-throated support for valve of that technology. And I think it is going to move the needle on that technology. Quick side note. I don't know if this has anything to do with half-life. I don't even know what it has to do with, but I was shocked this weekend. I just got back from visiting my family. We do early Christmas on one half of my family. And the, I have a 15 year old uh, nephew and I have another friend that I went to, out to breakfast with when I was up there, and she has a 12-year-old. Both of them want Oculus Quest for Christmas. That's what they're, the big gift that they both asked for. Huh. So, I mean, that's a generation of kids that are excited about VR. I couldn't have been more ex- thrilled to hear that. I uh, was surprised and, and heartened by it. I, I'm, it feels to me anecdotal. Small sample size, not exactly scientific, uh, you know, bit of data here, but two unrelated data points, both anecdotal that were related to me within a few days of one another of the generation that needs to be excited about this stuff, being excited about this stuff. So uh, I think there's some uh, some sense of penetration happening. Did you get out one of your quests that you have to just give away to people that when they get excited about VR? I was like, oh, I left it in my other pants. I wish <laughs> Oh, I usually have two, three quests on me, but um, I felt really bad for my, my nephew because he's like, I'm, I just asked for money for Christmas because I'm saving up to buy an uh, Oculus Quest. And I was like, oh, I should have brought mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could have brought it. You could have tried it. He's like, oh, you have it? I was like, yeah, I have it. 
It's one of my many headsets. <laughs> Half a dozen VR headsets I have. Um, anyway, so that's that's not not really having anything to do with Half Life, but it does have to do with VR, and it makes me excited. Anthony, Half Life, yes, big story uh, or the biggest story? Definitely not the biggest story. Big story in my mind. I wish that I could have seen it play out in like an auditorium, like the Microsoft Theater, where they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, here's the next chapter of Half Life," and everybody's like, "Yeah!" And then they say, "And it's on VR," and everybody sits down, and you go, "Yeah!" Like, look, look, Kevin is like, "It's all your fault." Jeff stands up. (laughs) You're beautiful. (laughs) I mean. Any other year, if you went back in time and said, you know, in 2019, they announce a new Half-Life, I would have said, yeah, that's probably a very big story. But then add the caveat of it's a VR game. It kind of diminishes it no matter what, especially for me, just because that's I don't view VR like you view VR. Mm. So it's huge. I know it's huge. But yeah, my excitement for it diminished a lot by the fact that it is limited to a certain platform. I'm very glad that they stuck to their guns and said, hey, the experience that we want to make can only happen in this thing. And we're not going to make another version just so we can say that people without VR headsets can play it. I, I'm just pleased that they really tried to make the best game they could make. And maybe if there's any way they're backing off, it's by saying, it's not a, it's not the Half-Life 3 you're looking for. It's the side story prequel thingy. And that's fine with me. Uh but I, I do feel like it's pushing the needle forward in a way that the Half-Life franchise is supposed to or, or can. And the only franchise that really can in, in that way. Uh, and, uh, and that makes me excited. So, Christian, uh, the biggest story ever or uh, will change the world in ways we can't possibly fathom? Yes. Um, both of those at the same time backwards in a in a blender uh for a smoothie for breakfast i i almost feel like the weight of it being a half-life game is almost lost because it's been so long since a half-life game if that makes sense um so it might be the biggest story of 2020 the jury is still out for me it's fun to see it announced and people that have played it say it's incredible but i i want to play it Mm. um and it's been so long it almost seems like Okay, (laughs) you know, like uh, the hype has gone away at this point for me for a new Half-Life game. Um, But I hope it is incredible. The guy who can pick Stadia as the biggest story uh, thinks he needs to wait and see on the old uh, on the old Half-Life announcement. I get you. Hey, don't worry, Jeff. Your biggest story will be VR again this year. I'm just here to be the one to say that, you know, we are in a place of privilege where VR is a write off and all that fun stuff. Some of us can get VR for free, this and that. So I'm just trying to be from the perspective of the person who maybe VR is just not possible and might love Half-Life though. And then is being like basically shut off from their favorite franchise. I get that. I get that. And I think that, I I think that quest is getting to the point where it is getting down to be a console price. You know, you don't need another Half-Life's not on quest. Half-Life's not on quest as quest, but it is, you know, you plug it into something at some point. I, I think it is getting there. And I'm, you know, I don't think, that it is quite, you know, it is not the thousand dollar investment that it was when it was released initially. And, and we're going to continue to see that happen. It's going to get be simpler and simpler and simpler to, to have 
these kinds of experiences. So I hear you and you're not wrong, but I, I don't think that's going to be quite the speed bump going forward. And I, I think that narrative is uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm too loud. I'm hopeful for that there, this is like a Diablo immortal Diablo four situation where they know in the background, they have an actual half-life game just lurking. And they're like, just, they wait. They're writing this us off. This is not the Diablo Immortal of Half-Life. No, no, no. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it is kind Jeff of the Diablo Immortal. Mic. It is kind of the Diablo. I'm going to make no. that comparison. But, you know, like everybody was like, well, this isn't the game I want. But people that played it were like, Diablo Immortal is actually not so bad. And then they said this year, here's Diablo 4. And everyone went, this is the game. Now, Half-Life Alex, similar situation. They're like, eh, you guys got VR, don't you? And they're like, it's actually pretty good. And then next year, Half-Life 3. Maybe I won't be complaining if that's the case, but I don't think it's, I think it's a little different. I think it's a little different than that. Cause it's not like, Oh, Hey, t- touching a screen. Isn't so bad. This is going to be like, Oh, I can re- interact with this game in ways that I've never interacted with any video game before that. Anyway, we're not going to argue about it. I'm, I'm not, I'm about, not, I just, I just was drawing the comparison. Cause I hope that I, there is a half-life three there somewhere. Somebody's doing it, please. It'll be interesting. Maybe this, maybe this does light that fire, or maybe that fire has already been lit. And like you said, this is the uh, testing the waters. We'll see. All right. Let us move on to our lists. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. If you're talking about 2019 coming to an end, if you're talking about the decade coming to an, e- to an end, let me tell you, I have been using Squarespace every year of this decade. And I am so pleased that is... That is the case because Squarespace, if you have any reason to make a website, any reason to be online in any way, to have a presence online, Squarespace is the easiest way to create that website, to make that presence, to produce your vision of what you want, how you want to be represented. It's easy. You can make it yourself. You don't have to pay somebody. You don't have to learn HTML. Just make it yourself. You start with cool templates. Then you start editing. You just start moving them around. Editing is even too strong a word. It's just fun. It's like painting. You just drag and drop stuff, move stuff over here, check what you want, put in, drop in new functionality. You want to sell stuff online? Drop in that storefront functionality. It's easy. Now you have e-commerce. Boom. It's so simple. You can blog or publish content. You can promote a physical business if you have one of those. Announce an upcoming event. It's so simple. Why not use it for even just one-off projects? It's awesome. Squarespace has everything you need. It's got 24-7 award-winning customer support in case you run into any problems, but there's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. They have free and secure hosting. They have built-in search engine optimization. It's always awesome. No matter what device you're looking at it on, if you want to look at it on a phone, if you want to look at it on a tablet, if you want to look at it on a big screen, it doesn't matter. It's always going to look great because it's a Squarespace site, and that all happens in the background. You don't even have to worry about it. It's the best. Make it yourself. Make it with Squarespace. Check them out. Just start building your site. If you have any reason to build a website, go head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch after you've already built your website, after you've already seen the tools in action and you have something you love, then you use your promo code Jeff sent me when you check out, save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Awesome. Squarespace has been supporting us from the start. We appreciate Squarespace. And we hope you give them a shot. 
by going to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me so they know I sent you and use that promo code Jeff sent me all one word J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E get yourself 10% off. Based on an incomplete sampling, indeed. Uh, the amazing, incomparable Sean Madigan with that incredible bumper that we get to use once a year. Thank you, Sean. Let's dive into our top five lists, our favorite games based on the games that we played in 2019. Whew, this is an exciting one. Anthony, you are our guest, so let's start I with am. you. Your number five game My number five. 2019. Game of 2019 is Borderlands 3. Woo! Uh, I would say next to Destiny 2, it is the game that I spent the most time playing in 2019. Maybe even more. I don't know. I'd have to compare. But um, I was just looking for more Borderlands after such a long hiatus between Borderlands 2. Well, the pre-sequel, but we don't really count the pre-sequel. <laughs> You know, it's such a such a long hiatus between mainline good Borderlands games that I was just waiting for that type of game again. They made it bigger. They made it better. They improved so many systems. The I think the story is really well done. I think the characters are great. Um, I know that Christian's not a fan of the humor. Uh, the humor kind of clicks with me more than normal. Um, I think the only thing that... I would say is is slightly weaker for me is the fact that um, there's like a big chunk, I would say, in like the back half where you spend a little too much time on one planet. But otherwise, I really, really enjoyed my time with the game. I'm still playing it with the new DLC and the uh, expansion that just came out. Um, there's just a lot to like about Borderlands if you liked Borderlands and you wanted that flavor of game again. Yeah, this is an example of... of- why I'm so glad you're here every year because I don't think it's going to make either of our lists, but man, what a huge game, what a game chock full of content and crazy stuff to do. Uh, And yeah, it delivers that borderlands experience. It sounds to me, Anthony, we didn't really talk about this game when it came out, but it sounds Mm. to me like you think it's better than borderlands two, or at least you enjoyed it more. I did enjoy it more than borderlands two. I think just because a lot of the, um, complaints that people had or, or ways they got around it towards the like later portions of Borderlands 2's lifestyle or like popular popularity. Um, they just build right into the game. A lot of it has been simplified in a way that just makes it easier to do a lot of things that you want to do, which is compare weapons, farm weapons, get the best version. They introduced a lot of like cool um variations of weapons beyond just like okay this weapon has these perks there's these anointed versions and they're still building on that and i just i don't know i I, there is something very addictive about farming in games for me and just collecting loot and there aren't that many games that do it well and i think borderlands 3 does it really well yeah i I put a lot of hours into Borderlands 3 as well, and I had a lot of fun with it. It's a great co-op experience, which is what you want out of a Borderlands. It's what you expect. That's what unlocks the fun in those games is playing with friends 
It's a great co-op experience. It's super fun. I think my biggest gripe with the game is, especially in comparing it to Borderlands 2, is that I didn't feel like the new classes are quite as fun as the classes were in Borderlands 2, or at least didn't provide as big a variation in gameplay style yeah. as they did in Borderlands 2. I, I could see that. I think I think one of the things that they did with this one is they kind of tried to balance them all in certain ways to to and I think they tried to anticipate what people would do and then they've been responding based on that. So I think that is one of like if you were to say okay what's a what's a shortcoming that has improved over time is the fact that they looked at okay these specific classes or these uh, builds within classes because each class now has three different action skills that kind of uh, dip, make it a different play style. So they looked at which ones were getting underutilized and buffed some and nerfed others. Maybe nerfing isn't the best thing to do, in my opinion, in a PvE game, but I think that it was trying to make everything a little more uh, balanced across the board, whereas like Borderlands 2 had a very kind of clear these are the characters to play. This is the way to play. And then the other ways were like, not as great. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, there you go. Borderlands three, Anthony Tarmino's number five, Christian Spicer, your number five game. You say number six. No, <laughs> no, hear no, you. Five. no, 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 did you, no, no. Did you say no, I can no, fall no, in no. order down to my number six? Is that what you said? Uh, no. Nope, okay. Nope. Five um, of the, as we do every year. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I hope a lot of people a lot more people uh, fall in love with this game on valentine's day when i believe it comes to console um darksiders genesis it came out of kind of nowhere for me and has just continued to win me over all right i immediately liked it when i started playing it the later levels i feel like are beautiful the score the soundtrack is very powerful um, the story is interesting and fun, um, but not overly self-serious where it bogs down the type of game it is. And I think it came at the right time of year for me where I'm able to play it when I want, as I want, um, it, where I'm constantly leveling up in a very fun and effective way, but it also isn't stressful in the way that some games are. Um I found it almost um, relaxing more so, but it's not to say that it's easy. Um, some of the boss fights are are actually pretty challenging and the, the challenge arena area is very difficult uh, as you progress through it. But I just was constantly impressed by it. And I think part of it might've been, I came into it with not low expectations, but almost kind of no expectations after Darksiders 3 um, so severely let me down that I think the shift of the perspective of the camera angle and bouncing between the two characters and having them play and feel very different in the same maps and locations, it just everything clicked right time, right place. I didn't have anything else that was like really pulling me toward it here at the end of the year. And it just is the absolute perfect game for me at, at as 2019 comes to a close and I, I really do hope that come, I think it's Valentine's Day, it comes to console, that more people give it a shot. It doesn't get crowded out by, what is it, March when everything <laughs> when everything comes out. Uh, Darksiders Genesis, I, I really, really, really like the game. I'm genuinely surprised and happy to hear that. I, I want to give this one a chance too because I love Darksiders 1 and 2. 
And like you, very sad to see what happened to that franchise, which I don't think ever really got its due. It really didn't ever, never kind of was considered to be a top tier franchise. But I mean, I thought those first two games were so excellent and really so fun and had such a personality to them and deserved to be, I think, deserve to have a better reputation than they've had. And then the third one comes out and it's like, oh, now everyone's going to think this series is not worthwhile. And hopefully this it turns a corner for it. I, I'm I'm excited to give it a shot. And I'm super pleased to hear you think it is the fifth best game of the year. <laughs> well, I think it is a perfect example of favorite yeah. uh, as you lead into that joke where it's like, it is not perfect. You know, we harped on uh, Jedi Fallen Order's map on Darksiders Genesis, the map it doesn't show where you are like you pinpointed like it's kind of divided into regions that are all kind of named regions for each level so it'll be like you're in the wastelands and that part of the map will flash but like where exactly in the wastelands you are it doesn't show you you can kind of tell by the geography like oh there's a big island thing in the middle i see this big block in front of me i'm assuming i'm here like there's stuff like that that isn't perfect um they've updated it and hopefully it'll be on PC as I mean, on console as well. But like originally when you were kind of hidden behind something, cause it's a twin stick shooter, um, essentially for how you control some of the character, how you move around the map, you can't, you don't have camera control. So you'll be behind something because of the isometric uh, perspective and your character will glow. So you can see where you are, but you couldn't see enemies that were maybe behind that pillar. So you'd be like, just getting hit by something that you can't see. So you can't aim for it. Um, that's been improved, but so there, the platforming isometric platforming is, it's never been ideal, right? I feel like it's always been difficult. It was something that Mario and 3d on 3ds tried to add 3d to help out with. Um, but it is just the, the things it does do. It does so well. It has the kind of finishing moves that doom 2016 has that kind of pulls you into combat. The animations are really slick and it's just a, a whole package thing that i think elevates it and again i think coming right place right time where it's the perfect game that i can sit down and play for 20 minutes oh and the best part well not the best part but a part i really love in that regard is that when you exit out of the game it's like i want to exit back to menu and it's like oh you want to go back to the main menu cool your progress will be saved i wish every every game should do that it's so and then when i come back guess where i am right where i was it's i love it there's no question like did it save did i see the icon spinning or was that a load screen every game should do that and, and i will add another caveat every game should let you exit to desktop if if you're on a pc you should be able to exit to desktop from doesn't that, you don't have to go to the main menu first before you could get the second prompt to be able to exit to desktop that drives yeah. me bonkers i'm like i gotta sit through a load screen just to leave no i don't want to load the menu i want to just go away anyway and Jake uh, Z asked in the chat if it's better than Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I like it more, yes. And I think maybe because it's simple makes it sound worse, but because it's more streamlined and my who my characters are and it's a, a, I'm enjoying the story more, whereas Marvel, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I have a hard time not min-maxing it. And that stresses me out. So I really liked Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, but I'm enjoying Darksiders Genesis more. All right. Well, my number five game is a VR game, but it is an excellent one that too few people have been talking about. It's called Asgard's Wrath. It is exclusive to Oculus, but I've been playing it on my 
Valve Index through the magic of Revive. And it is gorgeous. It is long. It is a full experience, full role-playing game. I feel like I'm inside God of War, for example. I mean, it's sitting that similar uh, Nordic uh, setting. It's got, the, it's got the gods that you would expect. And it's got so many great ideas. It, it, you have these minions. It, it deals with scale in really cool ways where you can expand out and look down a god's eye view on certain points. It's got puzzles. It's got great combat. It's got cool acting and uh, a neat story. It is a big, long, thrilling, full role-playing game experience in VR, and I love it. Asgard's Wrath is my number five game, and uh, I hope more people give it a shot as more people get VR. It is not on Quest, but through Oculus Link. You can play it if you've got a PC that can. So uh, it is well worth playing, and it is one of my favorite VR games right now and certainly uh, one of the best of the year. My question on that, and we haven't really devoted enough time to it on the show, I feel like, because VR talk oftentimes gets crowded out. And when I think you, you had just kind of started it and the year goes by and we hadn't yeah. really done a deep dive on it, how tiring of a game is it? Because it looks incredible. I keep queuing over it now that I have my link cable to play it. But so how room scale is it? Because you know my space is small. Yeah. And how tiring is it? Because I don't know <laughs> if I want to, like, am I waving my arms around to cast? I can't tell watching gameplay like how exhaustive it is yeah you are uh you are swinging swords and raising shields and throwing things you're throwing you know axes and swords and stuff to do ranged attacks and uh it's it's really a a fun combat system because you can you know throw stuff like like uh kratos does in god of war uh but yeah, I mean, you're moving around, you're gesticulating. I play it in that way that I play things that aren't quest games. Anything that's tethered, uh, I play with my feet rooted to the ground, and then I rotate using the sticks. So that's how I play it. So you don't need tons of room, but you need enough room to move your arms around pretty, yeah. you know. And, but no, I, that's, I mean, that's doable, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, it's not, it's not Beat Saber exhausting, you know. It's not <laughs> like I'm sweating by the end of it, but, you know, it's certainly an active game, and one I, I've played it for long stretches at a time and, and certainly enjoyed it. And it's not a game. Yeah. I mean, there's combat and there's a lot of combat, but it's not, there's enough other stuff you do. You're working on puzzles. You're thinking about things. You're collecting, moving through your inventory, all the stuff you do in big role-playing games you do in this game. Uh, and so, you know, there's, it's not all, all that stuff all at once. It's not like beat saber or pistol whip or something where you're getting really yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so that's Asgard's Wrath, and that's my number five. We are on to number four. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are we going to be off because is Christian's going to be one off of us? Can we? No, that was his number five game. We were that was very my number clear. five. Okay, okay. very clear. Yeah, I, I did not fall in order to my number six game. Okay. I started at five. Okay, I just didn't want a crazy yeah, situation. No. Okay. I listen. You don't I don't need how... to be a Jedi to guess what my number six game would be, Whoa. but I started at number five. Fair Whoa. Enough. Fair enough. I I know. I, like you, Anthony. I know how Christian can ruin things, so yes. I was. I'm very okay. conscious of it. Thank you. Like when I said, Jeff, go to a doctor. Your eyes sound serious. <laughs> that was your wife who said that. Your what? wife said to me, "You had who very can, little." Who right, connected right, that? I didn't mean to do it. I didn't do it, Dad. Anthony, dads, be quiet. The dads are talking. <laughs> no one has more respect for your wife than I do, including you. <laughs> Oh. including you <laughs> oh. all right 
Anthony, your number four. My number four, coincidentally, is Star Wars Jedi colon Fallen Order. I think it's Star Wars colon Jedi colon. Nope. I asked the developers (laughs) and I said, you need to figure this out. And they they like went to PR and they came back and they were like, here is it. We wrote it down. Star Wars Jedi. Star Wars Jedi colon. Correct. Fallen Order. Correct. Yes. It's the next in the long line of Star Wars Jedi games. It it is well. I I assume. I hope it's a new long line of them. Yes, but yeah. All right. So Christian's number six. Christian's number six. Anthony's number four. Is my number four. Uh, I think it is easily the best Star Wars story delivered in 2019. Shots fired. Whoa. He, he, that's a that shots at Mandalorian. That shots it at is. Uh, we got so many shots, shots and shots. Shots at the story I told my kids for bedtime that I made up BD, about Ray BD and one, BB-8 on an adventure. BD one beats both Baby Yoda and Dio in a fight. Wow, wow, wow! This is where you come. You go to DLC for them hot Star Wars takes. Uh, Anthony's quickly losing his fan favorite <laughs> status on the show. <laughs> it's a, it's okay. You know, it's got to burn those bridges sometime and then build them back up. Anyway. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the combat is in places clunky, but I enjoyed it overall. I like the kind of Dark Souls light approach to it. I like the exploration and how it kind of builds off a Metroidvania approach where you're getting powers and then you can see on the map new areas um the like i said the story and the characters i i love them i didn't think i was gonna enjoy some characters and then i ended up they ended up being more of my favorite characters by the end as i learned more about them it's one of the few games where i really enjoyed finding just story-based collectibles and kind of piecing together that world the, the only things that kind of like let me down were there's too much of a like I don't know what the best way to describe it, but when you're trying to go so deep into a level to get something, there's not enough shortcuts. There's too many paths that end up cutting you off from being able to go all the way back. It, yes, it's harder I to agree. it's harder to get like deep in the level to get something you may have missed. So that yeah, really we need like a sweet, uh, a sweet zip line that gives you all the way back to the beginning of the level. Yeah, I, I think there there wasn't enough of those like shortcuts. Like this is the end, quote unquote, end of the level. And here's the shortcut that takes you back to the beginning. But yeah, minor gripes. Um, I played it on Grandmaster. Um, I think that is uh, the way to play it, in my opinion, because it forces you to really like be a considered like new Jedi. I think playing on the lower difficulties maybe made it a little too easy for me. And I think it it uh, impacted me from a gameplay perspective more. I understand that that's super challenging and not for everybody, but I really no, enjoyed it. Basically what Anthony is saying is that Christian and I didn't actually play the game. Basically, no, that's what I played on. I played on the one up, whatever that thing is. Grandmaster is like the, the, that is the, the that is the top. top, the tippity top. Oh, that's not, that's not what I played on. Go ahead. Go, <laughs> yeah. Back to well, what Jeff neither said. Have I, neither you or I actually played the game is what Anthony's saying. I'm just, I'm just joking with you, but yeah, I, I do <laughs> think that if you go into the game and you're looking for like, I don't know what is more than just like a kind of basic lightsaber uh, combat. I, I think Grandmaster is the way to go. But yes, I understand that it's going to be really challenging for people who maybe aren't familiar with the Dark Souls approach and don't like that idea of if I die, I'm I'm way back when. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I really enjoyed the game. I think it is um, setting the stage for what I hope is a series that continues for a while. 
Yeah, I hope so too. Um, Christian, it was on your extended universe list. <laughs> it's not canon. <laughs> no. Uh, what do you What do you have to say about Star Wars Jedi: The Fallen Order? <laughs> it's a fantastic game. It's a game that, as I was wrestling with five and six, where I think because it is Star Wars and it has these expectations of what I kind of want from it or maybe expect from it that i was able to overlook um darksiders genesis's map I, was, I put too many s's in there uh it's map and it's kind of platforming problems because the, the game was surprising me in so many other ways whereas fallen order i came in wanting god of war you know i brought my own baggage into it i wanted that level of uh perfection and polish and you know, the first time I saw the Wookiees, I was like, oh, not, not like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so close on so many things that I think, you know, not knowing anything about game development, but it's like that one more pass of whatever, right? Like I think could have easily made it my number one game this year. It, it just, there's a, there's so, it's death by a thousand cuts that kept it out of my top five, but it's a fantastic game and one that I think is, you know, on sale here before the holidays and i imagine will be again soon so if you missed it i highly recommend picking it up and playing it it's uh it's really 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 fun yeah i agree it isn't it is a very fun game very frustrated that it's advertising seems to be spoiling the end uh yeah all right christian we're up to your number four my number four game is a little game I like to call, because it's the name of it, Katana Zero, which mm-hmm. was recommended by a friend of the show, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who reached out and I was like, yeah, 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 I'll play it. And he was like, play it. And it is just an absolute delight. It is a side-scrolling pixel art action game with a neon-soaked aesthetic and synth soundtrack that is absolutely phenomenal in a really interesting story that that plays out. It kind of reminded me of Celeste, where it's a different style of game, um, but where the story I don't think would be necessary for me to really have enjoyed the game, but the way it added it in or included a really interesting and compelling story, I think made it um, even better and elevated getting it into my top five. It's um, violent, but not, I don't think it revels in it the same way that a game I also loved, but um, has maybe become a little more tired now. Something like Hotline Miami, where uh, Katana Zero, it, it, I think in my opinion, it deals with the themes of violence and, and why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, how it feels to be doing it. Um, and all that being said, the gameplay itself is incredibly tight. It has, um, as we talked about load times, zero load time right probably because of the style of game it is or the graphical complexity but you fail uh, a mission and you're right back at the beginning and you're running it again and each time you're learning but what's really fascinating about it is that you're not just trying to perfect your run as you would in something like celeste because enemies the enemy pattern isn't exactly the same every time so way you if you miss one move you know one attack you still might take down that guard but because you did it a little later than you otherwise did the other guards will have seen you or not seen you so they're reacting differently so it's not just memorization that gets you through a level it really feels like there's that mix of memorization and improvisation that makes for a really compelling gameplay experience and um it was just an absolute treat from the beginning of the game to the actual real end um, it kept me on my toes and frustrated me just I me mean, not put it down. I absolutely loved Katana Zero. 
Very cool, man. Katana Zero. That's a game I have not played. I just, that's a big theme of 2019 for me, unfortunately. Well, same, same with Asgard Wrath. I feel like it's... Do you have it queued up? Is too many games ready? <laughs> man, baby. Yeah. 2019, yeah. man. It's the year of... And I think 2020 will be continuing that trend. The, it'll be it'll be too many games in just in the first two months, three months of the year in, in 2020. It'll be crazy. And then we got new consoles at the end of it. It's nuts. Oh, sorry, Anthony, did you play any Katana Zero? I played a little bit of it. It wasn't really for me. It seems like a game that you would love. Yeah, like, it, and it is. Yeah, I was curious if it grabbed you because of maybe the combat or something. But yeah, uh, not really. Cool. All right, my number four game, and I really struggled with where to put this one on the list, is Death Stranding. Uh, I have not finished Death Stranding. In fact, I should say, last year, my top five, I finished every single game on my top five. This year, uh, very few of the games on my top five I finished. It's just, it's just, uh, it's Listen, just... Listen, people, go give Jeff a... Go give Jeff a ladder. Put ladders in Jeff's yeah. world. He needs all your ladders. All your ladders. I need your your bridges. I need your uh, your roads, please. Um, no, but I the time <laughs> I have spent with it, which is a lot. I mean, it is thirty five hours at this point. I think I put into that game, which and I want to come back to it. I want to finish it. It's just new things keep coming out. Uh, you know, a Star Wars Jedi came came out, and then I, I got sidetracked with that, and then you know, it's like all these things happening. But I want to go back to it. I think about it a lot. I, I love what that game represents. I love Death Stranding because I love hiking and it feels like a hike. It feels like pure traversal, wandering through a beautiful landscape with an awesome soundtrack, just sort of enjoying the journey, feeling, uh, just admiring all of these, I think, very clever innovations, these, these, takes on game design that just nobody else is doing and it it is a game that i will be thinking about a lot i think it will be a game that stands out in my memory five years from now ten years from now because it's so unique it it knows what it's trying to do it's it's not a game for everybody it is not a game that will be immediately satisfying to a lot of people because it is a game that demands patience and kind of rewards this yeah yeah yeah. i'm bored move on no i'm just kidding yeah no i get it i get it but boy i i really almost put this game higher on my list it is a special special experience and a unique game i mean as soon as i I played it for two hours and i'm like how many times in our lives do we play something a triple a big anticipated release and you go i've never played anything like this it is trying something completely new that is just unheard of and kudos to Hideo Kojima for really taking this opportunity to be on his own and going something unsafe and daring and bold and interesting and I applaud that I applaud the the feel of the game yeah the story is weird and convoluted but it also has a lot of interesting ideas and is a take on sci-fi that I find actually pretty cool and interesting and different and it's not retreading Tolkien or Star Wars or anything else. It's really trying to do something new on all levels. And I have enjoyed my time with it and I want more time with it. So Death Stranding is my number four. 
And it's a game we'll be talking about next week, as I'm sure neither one of us has to eat any crow about our prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably will a lot. Um, <laughs> all right, number three. We're up to number three. That is you, Mr. Taumia. My number three game is The Outer Worlds. Mm, yes. The uh, Fallout-esque uh, game delivered by Obsidian. Um I think it just was a successful attempt. I don't like saying attempt, but, you know, it was a successful attempt by a developer that has had success with that formula and coming in and saying, look, we understand Fallout probably better than Bethesda does at this point. So we're going to make a game that does a lot of the things that all the other Fallout games do, but with our own twist, its own personality. And it just was perfect for me like it was exactly what i wanted it's not super overbearing with side quests it's not um the skill trees aren't so diverse that you have a hard time picking one way or the other you can kind of understand where your skill points are going and what type of character you're making i think the story is good i think the side characters are really interesting it it's one of the few games where i really was invested in seeing every mission through to its end just to kind of like see how that all played out. I think it's one of the rare games that gives you choices that are really difficult. You can see the perspectives on both sides. Nothing seems like the right answer or the good or the bad answer. Every perspective um, makes sense in the context of what a character wants to achieve. And I think it's really great. Yes. it is. Yeah. It is a fantastic game and a game where I felt like, as someone who usually mainlines games, I didn't feel like I was doing side quests as much as I, I was like, I want to know what happens here. Like they felt like interesting stories that deserved to be run down versus like, well, I got to go do this thing so I can buff this thing to get this thing to do that thing. It, it, the, the performances I think were really great from the, the actors in the game. The world was vibrant and fun. And it was like you said, it was like, familiar but different right like it's hard not to compare it to fallout but i think it they also were smart to do their own thing and not have it be the dour world that that fallout is and they kind of took those easily recognizable traits of a fallout style game but then built it in their own space odyssey that felt like it felt like firefly to serenity to star wars you know like of the same cloth sure. but totally different ways to yeah, tell i think stories. i think they just they understood the audience for that type of game better than bethesda did because bethesda doesn't spend enough time making those types of games anymore whereas obsidian huh. is very invested in well-written well-plotted and interesting quested games and they can i think apply that to a ton of different genres and be successful whereas bethesda i think doesn't maybe have a grasp on that as much hmm. well it remains to be seen when bethesda comes out with their next big role-playing game which probably won't be for another few years but yeah i i agree uh it's another game that i didn't put enough time into but is I mean, if we had to do a number six, that would probably be my number six. Uh, it is uh, an awesome game. It's like, oh my gosh, what if, what if Fallout but with color? <laughs> what, if, what if you added color to the Fallout universe? How great would that be? And it's pretty great. Uh, and it's uh, it's charming. It's fun. It's actually a good shooter, which I can't ever say Fallout is. 
Um, and less jank. I mean, it's a yeah. smaller game than Fallout, but it's it feels very finished. Yeah. Great game, The Outer Worlds. Christian Spicer, you're number three. Well, Jeff, this is for you. Well, it's not for you. It's my number three, but I think it will find a, you know, put that Yule log on your heart for you. And it's uh, Beat Saber, specifically on Oculus Quest. Yeah. Which came out this year, even though I redefined how I define, you know, my favorite games of the year. But what a, I mean, it was already an incredible game, but launching day and date with Quest, and I think the way Quest changed the, my personal realities with VR. Um, I literally played it on the beach, <laughs> you know, and like brought it with some friends and brought it to a lake house in Austin and played it with my brothers. And, you know, that I can just pack my VR and my carry on baggage and, and get people playing that haven't played. You know, we've talked about on this show, the best part about VR is getting, uh, watching other people try it for the first time yeah. and to be able to have Beat Saber be one of those experiences and have it on Quest. Like the amount of, just dumb gifts I have of my wife playing Beat Saber in our living room, <laughs> like easily puts it on my top five of the year. And it, she has the same of me. I just didn't, uh, I don't talk about those because I, man, I look stupid playing VR, but it's such a great game. It works so well on quest and the fact that they are continuing to support it. And now I'm both curious and a, a, a little scared of Facebook owning the studio but it's just a triumph of a game. And I think that quest is the definitive way to play it. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was on my list last year uh, when it was originally released. And I think you're right that the quest version is really the full, full realization. You know, this, this space station is fully, <laughs> I can't, I'm messing up the star Wars quote, but this, this battle station is fully operational. That's what I feel like it is. Uh, because that's how it was always meant to be. It was untethered, portable. It's it's it is the killer app for that headset. And as I brought up earlier, my nephews, I was like, my nephew, I said, why do you want the Quest? What is it? He's like Beat Saber, and I said, well, you are wise. You are wise, young Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> that is the game you are looking for. I'm just messing up quotes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I agree with you, man. It's uh, it's perfect on quest it it it's so great and the tech can keep up with that speed the speed that is required for you to be playing that game effectively um yeah kudos great great pick and like i want to play it right now talking about it again like i want to stop doing this episode and go play it it's so so good so good it's perfect it's like i can't believe that they haven't been sued out of existence you know that game but it is so perfect it is so perfect All right, my number three is a game that uh, normally would be the kind of thing I'd put on my uh, Hidden Gems or Dark Horses, but it is so good that it earned a spot on my actual top five list, and it earned number three, and that is a game called Ape Out. Which is currently free. Oh, it might not be anymore. If you listen live, it's free on the Epic Game Store. Today, as we record this, it was free on the Epic Game Store on uh, the 23rd of December. Hopefully, a lot of people picked it up because it is... So cool. Uh, What an amazing, fun game. Never has a game made me feel more like its protagonist, which in this case is an escaped gorilla, an ape that has gotten out uh, and is running amok and has this incredible strength uh, and is able to smash things, you know, with one punch. The enemies are a smear on the wall. 
or thrown out the window or all, all manner of other ways you can dispatch them. But it happens fast. It happens out of nowhere. You have this crazy animal-like speed and agility and ability to just lash out and kill things. But also the bad guys can get you pretty quickly either because they're coming after you with guns. And so it becomes this real feeling of uh, crazed on the run fighting for my life. And and I feel like an escaped animal. I feel like an, an animal that is trying to just survive and get out. Uh, and, and what a cool feeling reinforced by, I think probably the best sound design of the year in, in how it uses this, this percussive drum jazz, like drum beat to score all of the things that you do to, add sound effects to the to the attacks that you do to add a a driving rhythm to your attempt at escape your movement through these randomly generated levels and i think the the visuals are stark and minimalist and interesting it is just a home run of a game providing a thrilling experience uh, a repeatable experience it's it feels to me like the evolution of pac-man it, it is it is that kind of arcade-like, but now there's like this layer of story that's really interesting. Man, Ape Out, I think, is an artistic triumph and a game everybody should play. Hopefully tons of people picked it up when it was free uh, during the Epic Game Store. Ape Out, my number three. All right, it brings us to number two. We're getting into the, the real best of the best right now. Number two, Anthony Tarmina. Okay, so before I say this, um, I know I'm probably going to get drug in the comments of the subreddit for putting it on the list, but I have to respect when games are really good and really well done. My number two is Resident Evil 2. What a great game. Yeah, I don't know why people would be mad about that. Because everybody was very mad at me one episode because I said I would rather have a new game than a reboot or a remake. And everybody <laughs> got real mad. And then I put a remake. But uh, you're ho- you give me a game and it's good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's just, I think it is uh, the perfect example of how you take a antiquated product and you update it for modern audiences, but preserve the spirit of it. I think there's so many things about the game that still feel like resident evil two, but so many things that feel like a modern game that if it wasn't a remake, if it was just a brand new game, people would play it and think it was great on its own. I think it it works on both levels and there's so much about the game that I think is really effective. The scares are pretty good. The way that they, have kind of updated the zombie movement to support a more accurate uh, gunplay system. I, I just, I really, really enjoyed my time with it. I think there are some flaws, but they, they're overshadowed by my overall experience with it. Wow. What do you awesome. think? Do you, do you think three will live up to that, Anthony? Uh, it's hard to say because three was kind of like, three was the game that they like threw together while they were actually working on what eventually became four, which was canceled mm-hmm. and restart. So it's hard to say. I know that people like really love Nemesis as a character, but I don't know if it will be able to kind of match the pacing and the energy of Resident Evil 2, just because I think it is it is a lesser game. 
But I mm-hmm. think if they can take Nemesis and say like, Mr. X was great, but Nemesis is like that version of that for this whole game, it might be fun. Uh, yeah, man. I, I don't think you're going to get any slack for that. It is, uh, it's a pretty awesome game. I, I barely played any of it, but man, just looking at it, it's impressive what they managed to do, how thoroughly upgraded that game has become uh, for a modern audience. Christian, did you play it? I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's absolutely incredible. Um, the only reason it's not on my list is because Anthony said that, you know, remakes aren't worth your time. Um, yeah. I, I remember yeah, I did that uh-huh. episode yep. with him uh-huh. when, when you were gone, Jeff. I mean, Anthony, like he pointed his finger at me. He scolded me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I felt like we couldn't include it. That's I didn't know I could do that, Anthony. I'm sorry. I, I, it is. You were not allowed. Nobody else is allowed to include it. it, <laughs> it was, you were stricken from the list. But, yeah, I, well, I, I understand that. I am the I am the type of person that would prefer a development studio work on a new game. So I did say, yeah, no reboots, no remakes. But if you release a game and and it comes out and people say it's good, I'm going to play it. I'm not just going to be like, no. You're, so you're the type of person that we could call a hypocrite. Is that's the <laughs> pretty much, real, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. I think we just determined what type of person you are. Yeah, All right, yep. Christian Spicer, your number two game of 2019. Well, unlike Anthony, uh, I stay by his rules and I don't put remakes on my list, which is why Link's Awakening is my number two game (laughs) (laughs) of the year. It is just absolutely beautiful. Again, like Resident Evil. And I think the reason Resident Evil isn't is that I don't know if it's my old age or not. Um, Or maybe I just play video games later at night now. My blood pressure or anxiety or stress levels like... Resident Evil 2 was tense for me. Um, Link's Awakening was the opposite of that. It is just a delight, but also I feel like while the frame rates struggled in places, um, it is the the care I think they put into that, the graphics and the reimagining is maybe too strong of a word, but the look of the game is, is just an absolute delight. I loved being there. The hours flew by. Um, I also played it on the TV as my, with my daughters for probably 10 hours or so five, you know, somewhere in there more than five, less than 10 um, with them getting involved in the puzzles while I played it back in the day. I didn't remember it. And it's the type of thing where breath of the wild and games that have learned from it, um, whether it be Death Stranding or others out of kind of the open world, do everything, get everywhere, explore everywhere thing had kind of become the norm that it almost felt like for me, uh, Link's Awakening was the fresh game. <laughs> like it had been such a time that I'd played uh, the traditional kind of dungeon progression, get the thing to do the thing in Zelda games. And I think Darksiders one as well. Um, but that style of game when done well is feels like a beautiful jigsaw puzzle where everything falls into place at the right time at the right moment and it feels like you're completing it uh, the way only you could but of course that's the way you have to do it like that's a corner piece that's where it goes uh and it was just such a beautiful and bright game and the little graphical things they did the transitions between the worlds as like or the parts of the map the fog would roll in the music would change um I loved every single second I spent uh, with Link and Link's Awakening on Switch. Really, really good. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, what a wonderful art style. Like, put that art style on every 
thing, Nintendo. I'm ready. I'm ready for your little claymation stop motion world. Just make more yeah. of those. Yeah. Up the hard, up, up the uh, specs of your console and then put that graphic style. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we're to my number two. Uh, are you ready for this, Christian? I'm ready. My number two is Control. Like that's the second game you still need to play? No. I don't understand. I've been secretly playing it and I haven't told you about it because I wanted to surprise you. I wanted to finish it. I have not finished it because uh, life Did you got finished downloading it because you haven't played it oh, yet? Is I that... love it. It's awesome. And it's so good. You are right. I mean, a lot of people have been saying it, but you have been championing this game for a long, long time. And uh, I know you, I promised you I would play it before the end of the year. And it is, I think it's the best game Remedy has made, which is funny because it follows, I think, the worst game that Remedy made. Uh, so what an about face. And it's a, that's a, a developer that I have long loved. I, I loved the Max Payne games. I loved Alan Wake. I think this is a full realization of all the things they tried to do. Also, no one told me that it's basically the lost room, the video game. Uh, it's probably because nobody remembers the lost room, but I do. It is a near perfect, uh, wonderful sci-fi limited series that came out in the early two thousands, um, that no one remembers, but everyone should, because it's awesome. And this game uh, shares a lot of, of the ideas of the lost room. I am, am blown away by the, the feedback that it gives you the, the look and feel uh, this game. I can't imagine not playing it with ray tracing because so good. It is, it, this game is all about ray tracing. Like the art direction of control is staggering. It is, it shows you that art direction should be something that way more games take into account way earlier. And, and it defines this game. It really does. The art direction defines this game, but so much of the world is bland and sort of colorless, except for the, what I perceive to be the ray tracing elements, which is like, it's like a canvas on which ray tracing just flourishes. So man, if you have the ability to play this game, ray traced on PC, do it because wow. Um, but I love, I love how the enemies like the smoke that happens when you shoot them. You know, one of the things I always complimented Gears of War for, for example, for example, is uh, the wonderful feedback it gives you when you pop an enemy, how the head pops or how they react to being shot and stuff. This game nails that, like that feeling of landing just even the first few shots, not even the kill shot, but the first few shots on an enemy because this like smoke goes in the air and it, and when they finally do die, it like, you know, it's like fireworks going off or something. It is so cool. The it, it reminds me of an older era of games before open worlds happened, before we could really do outdoors well, and you just were sort of in a place. You know, you were playing games like um, like Doom or um, uh, oh god, what was the one I was thinking of that really oh like half-life it feels like it feels like half-life where you know the first half-life or half before half-life 2 you're just in a building and there's like you're just exploring the building and you're seeing all the crazy experiments that were happening in that building and around every corner it kind of gives you more information about the building it's like how video games used to be before or like the game fear (laughs) before you Mm -hmm. know before we could do open worlds and it's like oh just 
we're exploring this building and there's weird stuff that happens in there. It, it, I, it was a cool throwback to that kind of feeling. Uh, the story is interesting and well acted. I have some gripes with it. I think the the map, it's another example of the map being garbage and yep. very useless and very frustrating. Um, and I spent way too much time in this game going, how do I get there? Where the hell am I? What's going on? Uh, what, where do I, how do I even get there? I also think, just give me checkpoints, you know, just give me checkpoints. I, I, I don't think it's better. I like the fast travel system and the upgrade system being locked to those control points, but don't make me respawn yeah. at them. It's, it's not, it's it one doesn't of the make the game games better. Where everybody, when they complain on Twitter, you're like, Oh, you got to that part. I'm guessing. Yes. <laughs> the, it doesn't also, make the game better to, to, to spawn at that control point. It would make the game better to just respawn. Just respawn at a at a checkpoint, please. I'm f- I'm fine with control points in that game, and apparently they added more after maybe it was like after E3 before release or somewhere in there they added more of them because feedback was like oof. But I, I actually kind of like the control points for I would say ninety percent of the game, except if it's I die in a boss battle. Yeah. If I die in a boss battle, I should start back at that boss battle. Well, any battle, if you're in an awesome firefight and it's so fun and thrilling, but you go down. I don't want to start, you know, down like four hallways away. It's not, that's not fun. There's nothing fun about that. It doesn't make the game better. Just let me pick up and start in and try that again. So I don't know. So I, there are definitely some flaws, um, but man, it is, it is a great, great, great game. I'm so glad Remedy has recaptured what I think is their, you know, the things that they do well, which is, that fun sort of mix of live action video and telling the story with, with CG and in creating these wonderful, weird sci-fi noirish stories that have always have lots of like dreamscapes and, and, you know, things aren't as they appear and things morph. Like that's a staple of the old Max Payne games is there was always multiple levels where you would, you don't have to be walking on a trail of blood, hearing babies crying in the distance, you know? Uh, so I think this is the culmination of all that. And, and kudos to them. I, I didn't have much faith in this game after I saw it for the first time at E3, several E3s ago, when they first debuted it. And I'm eating crow on that. It, and I am giving Christian a lot of credit for, for championing this game on this show because it's real good and real fun. The, 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 Gunplay is really fun and satisfying. The exploration is interesting when you're not fighting the menu, or excuse me, when you're not fighting the map. And it, you know, it is a it is well worth being number two on my list. Uh, it was fighting for an even higher spot. Yeah, I don't know if I should be happy because you've played so much of it, or disappointed that you can just lie to your best friend, Jeff. That you can just oh, look at so me in the face. It's, like, it's so like he easy. secretly took ballroom dancing classes to surprise you. Yeah, I've been oh. ballroom dancing with your favorite game of the year, Christian. <laughs> Second question, and I'm going to be as vague as possible. Um, have you worn headphones yet? No. Oh, I think it might be your number one game then after you wear headphones. Oh, wow. Okay. You mean <laughs> like in game? In game, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I like I said, I've been you know I've been trying to get through it, but I've been enjoying like doing side missions and cool things that'll pop up, or it's like go over here and just fight some dudes. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll do that for a little while. Um, yeah, I'm really digging it. It's it's uh it's well made. It's a well made game. Very very good. Control number two. 
All right. That brings us to number one. The number one favorite game based on a incomplete sampling mm-hmm. of 2019. Yep. Okay. So basically, this is why you had me on. My number one is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> this is why we had you on for sure. Uh, because it's the only place it's going to be appearing on our lists. And it won the Game of the Year award at the Game Awards. Um, and uh, so many people were just out of their minds happy about that. I thought it was a very cool thing. But, Anthony, tell me why you believe it is your favorite game of 2019. Oh, man. Okay. So I think one of the things that this game does better than – any of the other from software games, except maybe Bloodborne, which uh, I think is my favorite of the from software games, is it has a kind of more cohesive aesthetic and a, um, I don't know, more uh, straightforward combat system, it, even more so than Bloodborne. The combat is based in one weapon. Everybody that plays it will have essentially the same play style. Um, you'll learn new mechanics and nuances within that, and you can use that um, to your advantage, or you can, you know, play. Basically, you can pile on the layers to be uh, as simple with playing it, or as kind of advanced as you want. Um, it's one of the the From Software games that, for me, forced me to relearn everything I thought I knew about the Soulsborne genre in that just kind of tanking hits, um, dodging. Uh, You have to be a lot more aggressive with it. And I learned that whole combat system. I learned how to do the um, deflect system that builds up this meter. You can completely beat enemies and bosses even without whittling their health down if you're fast enough or you have the right timing. So I think there's like a whole level of uh, interactivity there that, some people will just never take advantage of and others will, you know, consider it essential. And it is super fun to head into any boss fight and know that if I can learn these patterns and almost like a rhythm game time, my deflects, I can actually beat this boss before anyone else would beat this boss just by whittling it down. I think the story is really interesting. It's one of, uh, the more, uh, overtly told stories that from software has delivered it's not as obtuse as a souls game or even bloodborne i think the world is really cohesive and how it kind of looks at this demonic version of japan and it gives you familiar feudal japan kind of like castles and buildings and fields and then takes you into these areas that seem a little more um, ethereal and from like the dream, like, uh, you know, uh, love of Koi and dragons, those types of um, artistic approaches that you might see um, in Japanese art. I think there's just so much about the game that is really, really effective and well done. And I love about it, but even just from like a pure gameplay perspective, there was no game that felt as satisfying, as satisfying as playing Sekiro for me. All right, man. I think you're in good company there. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is Anthony Taramina's Game of 2019, which brings us to Christian Spicer, your number one Game of the Year. Super Mario Maker. Not just kidding. 
<laughs> a very good game. Uh, it's Control, and, and you've already touched on so many of the things that make it great. Um, but just to add on things that we haven't talked about yet, um, while the map is is difficult, I find the way the game relies, or maybe because of the map, I found myself relying on in-world signage. Yeah. Like, this is a government building, and as you know, weird and different as parts of it get the fact that it tells you maintenance is this way, <laughs> you know, and you can follow those signs. I need like and half I- a dozen more though. Uh, you know, I need like, <laughs> just take away the map, the map and just use those signs, but make them real clear, you know? Yeah. And I think I forgive part of that because I had so much fun in the world. I didn't mind getting lost and exploring things. I loved how, um, power-ups. Well, one, I beat the game uh, without one entire thing of my skill tree unlocked. Like, I just didn't find it. Um, and I it didn't, it wasn't a roadblock. I think that's very cool. Yeah. I think it's very cool how some of the skill tree is doled out through what would be considered side missions, you know? And you, you don't unlock them based on story progression. It's unlocked because you read a thing in a room that tells you to, you know, something, something's happening here and you go there and then it happens. And had you not read that piece of lore, you wouldn't have gone to that other place. Um, but you're not punished per se, if you don't do that, but it's, it's there the way that everything in the world justifies its place. Um, again, it, it feels so familiar, but yet so uncomfortable. And I think it's a game that is very confident in what it's doing. And it, it, it's very polished and covering all of its bases. The sound design, when you walk into a new area and, and the boom font, you know, the, the yeah. sound when the font covers your screen, like everything is meant to make you feel a certain way. Um, and I think it's very effective at all of that. And the, the combat, the combat loop of your telekinesis powers with your auto, you know, recharging gun, where you kind of can't rely on, um, one form of attack over the other you kind of have this ballet going on that you're improvising as you go flanking enemies using your powers uh either switching your gun type to take down a shield or throwing something at them all the while things are just breaking apart all around you it's so 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 incredibly satisfying and the story was super compelling and weird in all the right remedy ways um the teases about other characters from other franchises in the game, the larger world in which they've built the way Sam Lake apparently was writing things that, you know, maybe inspired or led into this. I think it was back in 2012. There's like a, a blog spot blog that's talking about a cabin in the forest and these items. And it's, it's just such a rich, interesting world. And then the TV shows in the world, those kids shows. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. So incredibly uncomfortable and put in places that where you find them again, they're playing with, you know, your emotions and keeping you on, on edge and in an uncomfortable way as you explore this facility. And then you mentioned it, but just to hit it again, I think the actor's performances are, are top notch throughout. And it's just a a beautiful and compelling world. And one I want to, I want to live in. And again, I I played on PC um, with ray tracing on, I thought it was phenomenal, but then I played it on, ps4 as well because i wanted to experience firsthand what that was like and while it wasn't as good as the pc experience i in no way needed to change my play style to accommodate for 
I was playing on a base PS4, that console, this was after the patch. I think I played through a third of the game again that way. Um, so regardless of the console you have, I highly recommend picking it up. I know it's been very cheap uh, or pretty cheap recently. And it's just top to bottom, a, a well-designed, beautifully implemented and executed game that um, had me hooked from go. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And another thing that you kind of just said in passing, but I think bears repeating and bears underscoring is the level of destructibility in the game. It's something that used to be a big buzzword. I don't know, six, seven years ago, they were talking about games that had destructibility and, you know, you shoot and something and it breaks apart. This game does destructibility better than I don't think, I think any other game I've played. It is incredible. The amount of stuff that just blows apart when you're having firefights, but also you've got this cool power that makes you be able to, grab things and and toss them around with telekinesis and in so many games it'll be x number of things in the environment that you can pick up and throw and this game also highlights the the things that are grabbable but and if there's all the things but it, it's, it's all the things first of all but also if there's nothing she'll just grab a, a chunk of the wall and there'll be a yeah. chunk of the banister or the wall that pulls off and you throw that it's like i've never seen a game do that before it so satisfying and fun to see that kind of destruction in your wake and that kind of you really feel like an x-man you know you feel like some very powerful mutant that or superhero that can grab just chunks of the of the geometry of the of the world around you and use them at your at your will it's awesome yeah and the animations i could watch jesse just come out of float on repeat yeah i love that animation of the way she settles back to the ground and kind of moves she has weight in the air the Um, bad guys like there's bad guys that like fling themselves at you they'll like float in the air in a a weird kind of cirque du soleil you know uh harness look they like like they are harnessed at their waist and then they'll just fling them their bodies at you Ah, that's so cool it's so cool and the way that everything is sort of red yeah it's awesome awesome yeah awesome game real good All right, that brings me to my number one game. Uh, My number one game, I I really struggled because I wanted, (laughs) I very nearly gave it to Slay the Spire because it officially came out this year and it's amazing. But I feel like I've had Slay the Spire on my list for like three years in a row. (laughs) So it feels a little unfair to put that at number one, but it is a work of genius and I love it so much. So my actual number one game, is Children of Morta. Children of Morta is a roguelike, pixel-based, uh, pixel art style game, uh, which you've probably seen, uh, you know, dime a dozen. Th- those games are a million of those on Steam. You know, Dead Cells is a great example of an excellent one. But there's a lot of pixel-based, you know, shootery, arcadey kind of roguelike action games where you're going to die a bunch of times and you're going to keep going. And I like those games. I very, very much do. But this one stands head and shoulders above most because how, again, art direction and how it expresses itself. It is the story of a family in this beautiful cabin is too small a word. Mansion is too big a one. But something, you know, this residence out in the country and they've discovered that there is something horrible underneath it and they need to go down and fight. 
and you do it through all these different members of the family, each of them having different Which, abilities. By the way, the exact opposite of what I would do. I'd be like, we're moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this house is great. <laughs> we can't stay here. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, each of them has different, a different play style and different abilities. You unlock them. You, you level them each individually. Uh, it's got wonderful roguelike risk-reward stuff where you, you go down and each run, you pull out resources that you can then spend back at the house to upgrade certain things that empower the entire family or individuals. Um, I mean, it does that roguelike loop that I enjoy very, very much. It does it very, very well. But what I think makes this game so special and the reason I think I put more hours into it this year than maybe anything else is how beautiful it is. The art style, the the pixel-based art style, it, the animation in this game is so gorgeous and so meticulous and so expressive. It really is trying to tell a story that has heart and gives you emotion and creates little moments and you find things in one run or you, you do it the, the same dungeon a few times and then, oh my gosh, there's a room where something really beautiful and special happens where you're saving uh, somebody. I don't want to spoil anything, but it is, it's replete with all of these little special nuggets of story. Every time you die, you get a new little, little narration and new revelation about this family and their history and their relationship to each other. It is so beautifully written, so beautifully expressed. And the it's fun, man. It is fun and challenging in that roguelike way where you're dealing with hordes of enemies. It's kind of Diablo-esque in that way where you're fighting hordes and hordes of enemies and you've got these cool power-ups that you select and you're trying to you know, figure out the best build to get you deepest into the dungeon before you inevitably die. I love Children of Morta. It is now out on Switch, which is uh, a console it is, I think, perfect for. But I play it on PC and I think it is just magic. It is a wonderful beautiful game that everyone should play if you're into roguelikes at all if you're into action games at all children of morta my number one game of 2019 all right that does it for our top five list we have a few other categories and then we got our, our quick five uh of the of the hidden gems the uh the other five games we want to mention but first let's do a, a couple of special categories do you guys have a most disappointing game of 2019 i think it's hard to pick anything other than anthem right yep. anthem is for sure my most disappointing just because uh, as most people know i love the looter shooters and i was very much looking forward to this but i do have honorable mentions um to go okay. with that one is google stadia Ooh, shots fired, Christian Spicer. I think I'm looking, I'm looking at my list. It's also on my it's list. A huge so, so that's for me. Um, yeah, for for many many reasons. The other yeah. honorable mention is Death Stranding. Really? Uh, yes. You put like a billion. He's just here kneecapping us really now. Okay, buddy. It's hard. <laughs> so Are you, you put a billion D hours into that game. Okay, so Death Stranding. I completed it. I started it, and I was like. I don't think I enjoy this game. It's kind of boring. Uh, it's very weird. Then I started to unlock some of the uh, upgrades. 
that are really useful. And I started to really get into the idea of helping the world build roads and putting zip lines places. Yeah. And then the game falls off a huge cliff as you just start barreling towards uh, a conclusion that uh, basically turns the game into uh, pointless nonsense. Basically. See, that's what I haven't gotten to yet. And that's why maybe I'm like not wanting to keep going. I feel like I, I want to live in this blissful place of like, oh, I, I spent 40 uh, hours in this lovely world that I really dig. I don't want let me, to. Let me ask you a question. Have you encountered uh, in a gameplay perspective, Mads Mikkelsen's character? Uh, no, not only in flashbacks. Oh, really? And you're that far in? Okay. You spent I mean, too much time delivering boxes. <laughs> So much time building roads. I like that's all I want to do is is build roads okay. and 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 like I dude. I spent. I, I'm not even lying. I spent maybe three hours one day just like caravanning a bunch of because I I got a truck and I caravanned a bunch of truck oh, for sure. stuff yeah, in my I truck did exactly that as well. Dude, just to build like three road nodes, and I was like, oh, this is so rad. I'm building all these roads, and but it was like, you know, you can't possibly get enough stuff enough metals in your possession to do it in one go so you're like going back and forth and back and forth i'm like this is tedious but i'm having so much fun doing as i feel like i'm accomplishing something that was that was where i was at i was in your period of like oh man i'm really enjoying i did spend quite a few just like play sessions building roads i spent a whole play session building a uh you know redacted thing that would make transport through various um, facilities very useful. But then I started to get closer and closer to what, you know, story beats. And um, there are just, there are just too many things towards the latter half of that game that you start to think to yourself, like, was, was I really enjoying myself? Was it worth it? And then, yeah, this, the story stuff, it just has no, uh, it just it goes it goes in some places that I just can't. It really it really did like it was like a roller coaster. I started off being like I'm not sure. Oh wow, this might actually be a, a really good game. And then by the end, I was like, nope, never mind. Mm. Wow, well, yeah, that makes me sad. Yeah, my if I never get to that, I can just the game can just be what it was for me, and I'll just never know. I I'll feel just like stop you now. Need to. Because you put it, it on your top five, you have to you you have to get to at least I would say episode like uh, seven or eight, or chapter mm. seven or eight or whatever they're called. Yeah. But yeah, it's it it really is a game that and when you seven is a lot like four. <laughs> so if you've played yeah. four, you already it's almost beat for beat <laughs> four. Is what I understand. But it really, it really then, is the type of game so- that just like yeah, you you start. I started to just. Everything that was good, it just started to wash away. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to end the show on a real sad note. No, we're not ending. Uh, Christian, biggest disappointments? I mean, for me, it was an anthem only because I I wasn't expecting a lot out of it. Like, I thought it looked cool. And, you know, I I thought the the, what they promised seemed interesting. The E3 trailer was certainly captivating. But, um, possibly sacrilege uh, no bioware game has been my favorite of the year ever it's just hasn't been for me so for me my personal biggest disappointment was ghost recon breakpoint it is a game i was very much looking forward to um i thought john barthol barthol sure 
say his last name? I don't know. Uh, I thought his inclusion in the world seemed cool. Um, they did a great job supporting Wildlands uh, over the years. I, you know, the, the Sam Fisher event I thought was really interesting. So I was hoping they were going to kind of build on that and learn from it. And Breakpoint, while I have a, some friends that have really enjoyed it, it just wasn't what I was looking for. So it personally disappointed me greatly. My other uh, honorable mentions would be Borderlands 3. Sorry, Anthony. Um the characters in Death Stranding that I met uh, <laughs> didn't like any of them. Um, Stadia, I, I still love it. I am playing uh, my number five game, Darksiders Genesis, on it. But I'd be lying if I said it delivered what they said it was going to. You know, like, it's disappointing. I, I still hope the future is there, but it's not great right now. Um, and then uh, Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Period. You know, this Activision Blizzard, not the people that work there, not the individuals pouring their blood, sweat, and tears into making really incredible games, but the big billion-dollar company, Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Very disappointing. All right. Uh, I, mine, mine is Anthem. I was super excited for that game. And, you know, I think that and Ghost Recon could be the type of things that a year from now, two years from now, turn it around. Who knows? You know, this is the kind of thing that can happen now in video games is things that started out not so great. Yeah. Uh, you know, Elder Scrolls Online, for example, is is now an excellent, excellent game. So who That's knows? Um, but any other categories I have, uh, I have most um, underrated. Uh, I have underrated as well. I could do that. I think most underrated for me is The Division 2. I think huh. I think that's a game that does not get its just desserts it is really good and yeah it's more division maybe feels like a an expansion more than a true sequel but it's real good super solid very fun it's a game i wish i could put more time into because i loved the first one and i put way more time in the first one than i have into this one but that's more about me than it is about the game because i think it's really fun and uh a really awesome new environment and i think it it deserves I think it deserves more than it's getting as far as recognition of being a, a solid sequel to a great franchise. Yeah, I think I just think that game falls apart in where it uh, it basically just repeats, in my opinion, all the crimes of the first game just all over again. It seemed like they just, but I I think I that might that be true. But that's that may be true. further for you. You know, I think that the story and the the general gameplay of it up until you start to get involved in like the nitty gritty of the you know, building and and I I think that's where the game, I wanted it to be better and it was just as bad. Fair enough. Uh, Underrated for you, Christian. A couple of, uh, I have a few. um, And some of these are big, those aren't underrated, but I I think they are. I think Pokemon sword and shield got it underrated because of it's the Pokedex problem. I think it is a phenomenal game and I enjoy seeing while, uh, let's go Eevee and let's go Pikachu, I think kind of ate its lunch in terms of seeing beautiful Pokemon on the console for the first time. Um, I think it's a phenomenal entry in the franchise and I like seeing the Pokemon beautiful on my console. Uh, Luigi's Mansion three, another, I think criminally underrated game this year. Um, and then gears five. It's a gears five. Didn't you crap all over that game? I said, I wish it started more in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think it starts slow, but I think Gears 5 I want to hold up and cheer because it's a such a complete game that isn't nickel and diming you anywhere. They're not 
holding something back because like it's a big full featured single player campaign. It's horde mode. It's multiplayer. It's a big, big package. And I think we'll look back in a few years and we won't see a lot of games like it anymore. Mm. Um, You're right. And so I I want, and it's beautiful too. I think the graphics and the scalability across platforms is incredible. Um, So that's why I think it's underrated. And then these next two, I think are even more so underrated and they just kind of fell by the wayside for a lot of people. A short hike, Mm -hmm. which is what it says, short, um, but beautiful and, and again, very relaxing and um, charming in, in so many ways. And John Wick Hex that I think maybe got lost because of uh, the Epic Game Store kerfuffle when it came out. Um, but taking a character like John Wick and doing something um, like a, a strategy game for that character is, is I think, a, a risk. And I think they nailed it. They nailed the execution where you feel like John Wick, but it's not the boring VR first person guns blazing game. And if you haven't checked it out, um, it's worth your time. The, these aren't your diamonds in the rough games. These are just, no, those are underrated. Uh, I got, I got diamonds in the rough too. This is a for good days. year for games. Yeah. Uh, any other categories you guys want to bring up? Uh, I think I'll do me most surprising. Uh, yeah. Most surprising. I'm going to put links awakening there. Uh, it was a surprise that it was announced this year. And it's yeah. surprised that it is as cool and as daring and different as it is. I think they could have easily just put out Lakes Awakening in, in a in a sort of shovelware kind of way and just you know didn't didn't have to remake it in such a extensive way. And I I was a very big surprise to me how good it was. Yeah. Mine is also a link. It's the Oculus <laughs> link. Technology they told me was impossible when I bought my headset. They did it. And they nailed it. What about hand tracking? Literally, you can do hand tracking. I haven't right done now. that yet. It's amazing. I know, but I haven't. Yeah, crazy. Uh, mine's mine's bloodstained. Uh, Ritual of the night. Uh, it's I think one of the few uh, kind of like prolific developer going to Kickstarter games that actually, in my opinion, turned out pretty good. Uh, many cases like uh, Mighty Number no. Nine. You know that you get that situation, and then they just don't really deliver, but I think Bloodstain is a really, really good spiritual su- successor to Castlevania for sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into our other five? The other five games. Uh, we'll just we can just run down our entire list um, of games that we think deserve to be mentioned again here at the end of the year. Games that you probably won't see on other people's lists, or maybe you will, but games that we feel passionately about. Not necessarily our six through ten, but definitely games that we wanted to mention again one more time before twenty nineteen is over. Anthony, why don't you march through your five? Okay, my five are Remnant from Ashes, kind of a Dark Soulsy shooter uh, with like procedural dungeons. Uh, Telling Lies <clears throat> from uh, Sam Barlow, oh, yeah. excellent uh, game that you wouldn't even expect. Most people would look at it and go, I won't expect to like it. Me and my wife were very invested in the story. There's so many layers. It's really great. Um, a Plague Tale Innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very story-driven. Uh, it's It's got a lot of cool elements. It was uh, extremely well done from top to bottom. Uh, Void Bastards. Yeah. Really good, repeatable roguelike shooter that kind of like takes... It imagines like FTL, but if you were going into the ship, basically, yeah. Um, yeah. it's great. And then my final one is Judgment, which is from the Yakuza developers, but they made it kind of like a 
Japanese noir detective story that goes in some really interesting places, but still has that like over the top hand to hand combat. Uh, I was I was surprised by how much I liked it. Awesome. So say that list one more time. Remnant from Ashes, Telling Lies, A Plague Tale, Innocence, Void Bastards, and Judgment. Very, very good. Void Bastards almost made this list for me as well. Uh, Christian Spicer, your other five. Blood and Truth, PSVR. It showed me that I could be a badass super spy in VR and not get motion sick and you know not have any of these problems, I think, that people thought the platform would have all of those years ago. I caught a grenade out of the air and threw it back at people on a construction site and blew it up. Awesome. Every time it was an awesome simulator. Super Mario Maker 2 that when announced, I thought would for sure be in my top five. I think I just got overwhelmed. (laughs) There's so much there. The Zelda content now, the Nintendo made levels are incredible. The Matt Thorson levels, the designer behind Celeste, are incredible. There's so much in that game that I I find it overwhelming, <laughs> which I think kept it off my list because there's too much. The Messenger, which I know came out prior to this year, but the DLC came out this year, and it's when I played it. Um, a Ninja Gaiden, you know, 8-bit Ninja Gaiden type that between the main game and the DLC is just a phenomenal experience top to bottom. Um, if you've avoided it or missed it, definitely recommend playing. Devil May Cry 5, which is on Game Pass right now, which, you know, is up there with action combat game ever made, I think, in terms of doing that style Bayonetta, Devil May Cry style of action combat. Um, Devil May Cry 5 did it really, really well. Um, And Mortal Kombat 11, like the fact that it had one of the best stories of any game of the year, like... 10, easy, great. We retcon the whole thing, throw it away. Uh, in a really fun way. I'm not trying to be dismissive of 10, but it's like, I give you that, Mortal Kombat. Now what? Right? Like, you've played your cards. Now what? And then 11 came in and said, hold my beer. We <laughs> we got more. And it took it in such wild and unpredictable ways. While I wish the characters had come out a little faster, I find that the, the DLC characters are fun and engaging. And I think the only thing that kept it out of my... F- five and why maybe is it making top 10 lists is i think the towers launched whether whatever they call their towers a little more grindy and annoying than players wanted them to be but again it's another very full game um the tutorial mode we talked about back when you saw it at the hands-on jeff the way you can pull up prompts on screen anytime it's such a complete fighter in my opinion and the story is so much better than it has any business being and I'll never get tired of seeing its graphics. Um, it's just a stunning, stunning game. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Great list, man. So many games. Too many, you might say, games. <laughs> if only there was some way to express that. Uh, my five diamonds in the rough games that deserve an extra mention. Uh, my number five on that list was also Blood and Truth. I was tempted to swap it out when you said it. I was tempted to swap it out with Pistol Whip. But I'm sticking with Blood and Truth because Blood and Truth is so good. So good. Such great. It's held back by the move controllers. (laughs) It is held back by the move controllers. It deserves to be unlocked and put on other VR headsets, just like Astro Bot before it. It deserves to be on every VR headset. But it's got great storytelling in VR. I love how you just sit in these scenes with actors looking right at you, and they're the same size as you. It's, It's a really cool way to see a story. Uh, number four, Operencia, Stolen Sun. 
man, what a oh, yes. cool, Dang. great game. Awesome storytelling there as well. I love turn-based combat. I love that old, you know, um, Ultima Underworld style first person, but you're a party of people type game on a grid. It's just exactly my jam. It beautifully presented, great graphics, great, just great all around. There's no flaw to that game. I, I love it. Operencia Stolen Sun. Number three, SteamWorld Quest. The SteamWorld games are like, great they're great and steamworld quest was the new 2019 version each steamworld game is in the same shared universe but has a completely different genre of game that they're making and new characters steamworld quest is in another awesome turn-based role-playing game with great art so fun great for the switch i love it i put a lot of hours into it it's fantastic my number two it kind of feels weird putting this on a hidden gems because it's not too hidden anymore after the game awards, but disco Elysium, uh, it made a play for being on my, my actual top five. I just didn't haven't put enough hours into it. It's a big 40 hour role-playing game that I just haven't had time to devote the time it deserves to, but it is a special experience. So different, so unique, such a cool way to do a role-playing game where it's not really about combat. It's more about self-analysis and expression and choices that you make within discussion, within talking and, and interrogating characters. So, so well-written. I mean, the prose is lovely. Uh, Disco Elysium, very, very great game. But again, it won and tons beautiful, of like graphically beautiful. Yes, and different looking than almost anything else out there as well. Painterly and strange, very cool. And then number one was easy for me on this list. Another game that almost made my main five, and that is Baba Is You, which is nothing to look at. You would look at screenshots of this game and go, why would anyone play that? It looks looks like garbage. It is maybe the best, cleverest puzzle game I've played since, I don't know, The Witness. It's so smart. It breaks your brain in all the best ways. It When you finish one of the levels when you've figured it out you feel like you you broke it you feel like you did something you're not supposed to be able to do you also feel like a genius it's it's like portal in that way where it's like oh my god i did something the developers didn't think i could do but of course they did and it is awesome it's verbal it's clever it's not like anything else baba is you play it on switch and thank me later it's probably you can probably get it for pennies uh, but it is one of the best games of 2019. One of the smartest, coolest, weirdest games. Baba is you. Play that. What an amazing year, 2019, fellas. Uh, what an amazing year. It doesn't feel like there... It, I don't know. It just feels like there's a wider swath of games to be talked about in an episode like For this sure. this year. Yeah. I think there. W- it was also a year where there was no definitive like this is the juggernaut or maybe two games you know this is the juggernaut these are the juggernauts like last year it was god of war and red dead just like you know duking it out left and right whereas i think like next year it's going to be cyberpunk right it's going to be that's defined last Last of us Us. maybe with ghost of tsushima and final you know there'll be i think there'll be more like juggernauts going at each other last year but this year yeah yeah it was you could put something on your list as your favorite game. And not a lot of people would say, Oh, well you didn't have X on your list. Right. Right. I mean, I think the same along the same lines, like the fact that I can put 
uh, Gears Five on underrated. You know, like it is it it's, it's I, I don't know. I think people were maybe. I feel like anecdotally people were down on this year in games, but yeah. it's like again, Devil Devil May Cry Five. Like it was it was a home run. It yeah. was a home run. I feel like this year there were so many home runs from whether January, when did Resident Evil 2 come out? January, February. Oh, Through yeah. the entire year, and maybe there wasn't that huge marquee franchise that, you know, was this behemoth tentpole that ran away with it. But I think people have forgotten about games like Gears 5, Mortal Kombat, Devil May Cry 5, um, Pokemon. Uh, like, these are huge games yeah. that came out and that did it well it's it was yeah. it's incredible just an incredible year yeah it does feel like the median quality level is much higher every year it seems to be inching up 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 the same games that we're not even really talking about are still better than anything that came out you know five <laughs> ten years ago it's 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 pretty great so yeah you know and i think next year as we've said is going to be a really exciting year and next episode of DLC will be when Christian and I put it all on the line and predict what will happen in 2020. It'll be our look forward and we'll be making some bold and cool ranch predictions. Also, there will be a reckoning for what we predicted for 2019. So you do not want to miss that episode next week, but this week, man, what a ride. Thank you, Anthony Taramino for being here. We really appreciate you always being our go-to guy for the end of the year and putting the games on the list that Christian and I, can't be bothered to that's uh, next year i will be the guy that doesn't put last of us as his number one <laughs> don't worry christian's yeah, got me there yeah me yeah, too christian's got, <laughs> christian's got you covered yeah. I, I just for so for the housekeeping of the google doc guy that i care so much about or maybe it's multiple people maybe it, it is not a guy uh control would be your guys game of the year right? thank you for reminding me to do that i think that is a very i'm a, a pick i am very comfortable with i know christian you were pushing for that big time um, and I'm so glad I don't have to fight you on it because I yeah. really, really love that game and it is, it is so good. Anthony, you clearly don't have the love for control that we do. I mean, I liked it. I talked about it a little bit. I think, uh, when I filled in one of the times I, the, the map thing bothered me. Uh, I think some of the combat just got old and the shooting wasn't as precise as I wanted. It's on my list. It's on my top 10 for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anybody, on, anybody that doubts me, I have the platinum trophy and control. So you you played on console pre patch. I played on console like at launch. Yes. Right. Played on yeah. a PS4 Pro. I but the my issues with it weren't like I I'm I'm one to forgive frame rate issues, especially like playing it before it comes out. Um, I just felt the the combat wasn't as precise as I wanted it to be, and and I had hmm. other issues. It's on my list though. I hope that game will get some sort of, I don't know, reissue or patch or something when the new consoles come out and allow you to play it backwards compatible with ray tracing on consoles. Cause ray tracing makes that game for me. It is all the smoke and mist and, you know, you walk into the furnace room and the whole thing is glowing yellow because it's all the light is being refracted on every surface. And it's just, yeah, so good. It's so good. I've been playing some of the expeditions, the new free DLC like challenge things. And like one of them, you have to track down this thing to throw it in this thing. And I was like, I can't find where this glowing thing is coming from because it's like the rock is shiny and the light is like bouncing everywhere. And like, I don't know if that's an intentional, you know, design thing or just a very cool 
treat of like, what? Yeah, this is what it would be like if there was a glowy orb yeah. surrounded by this shiny rock. It's man, I, I, I know that there are too many games and 2020 games are already creeping up, but I do hope you get to headphones. Oh, I'm going to finish it. I, I, I'm enjoying it too much not to. And like I said, if it hadn't been for <clears throat> holidays and family stuff happening, I, I was planning to finish it before today, but it just didn't happen. I'm so glad you I – th- yeah, I didn't know if we could have a consensus. I was going into this year not knowing what it would be because you had been lying to my face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so fun to lie. It's so fun. So a third-person action game with a female protagonist. Huh, we've never picked oh, one of those We're so predictable. We have a very narrow <laughs> Venn diagram of overlap, but – I'm so pleased that this year provided uh, another uh, clear winner of the DLC game of the year. And uh, Anthony, tell people where they can follow you and your goings on online. Uh, Well, I am editor in chief of GameRant.com. So if you read your gaming news there, you support me indirectly. Uh, I also write plenty of articles and do some reviews and, and, and things like that. But that's, if you want to hear any thoughts on video games, it's a lot of destiny content. I'm sorry. It's what pays the bills. Um, you can also then follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Tormina, which is spelled a N T A O R M I N A. Very cool. Christian. How about you? You got going on this week other than holidays, holidays, man, my folks are here. Um, but if you are in LA at Spicer is Twitter. That's where I will post. If any shows come up this week, like last week, uh, I did a show at the comedy store with Craig Robinson, who people might know from hot tub time machine or the office. And he's just a treat of a gentleman to perform with. It was a really great show. And it was added week of. So Twitter is where I will be posting those. And then I know we're not into the new year yet, but also for me, it's always, um, I feel very appreciative to do this show, Jeff, with you and Anthony to keep talking fun pop culture stuff with you from when I lived in San Diego and bringing this forward and you being on the show and to our audience um, for hanging out with us time after time. It it means a lot to me. So um, thank you for being here. And here's to at least one more episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got we got more. Yeah, we got one more episode of this year. But I think, you know, I guess you never take anything for granted, but I think we'll be. You know, going strong, we're, we're entering our, what, our sixth year next year? Uh, oh, no, we're yeah. completing our sixth year this we're, year? Yeah. I think we're, yeah. Oh, man. It's a lot. A lot. Too many years. It's been going <laughs> a while. Um, it, yeah, I, you know, it, we we got one more episode uh, for 2019. So, well, I'll save all of the mushy stuff for then. But I hope everybody listening is having happy holidays uh, if you're listening during the holidays, um, we are grateful to have you listen. We hope these uh, these end of the year episodes are fun and put a wonderful cap on your year. Uh, we wish you a happy and healthy holiday and, and new year. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, posting pictures of my children and my family and uh, talking a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, uh, as well as video games and other things. Uh, so I hope you, you check that out. You can always email us here at the show if you've got you know games that we forgot in our end of the year list. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got big, bold predictions for 2020, maybe we'll do some emails from fans making big, bold, cool ranch predictions for 2020. Uh, we'd love to hear those. You can send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. If you want to make, you want to put your flag in the sand and make a prediction uh, for next year, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. 
Also, check out the Slash Filmcast. That's where I talk about movies and TV shows. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, and like I said, Dungeons and Dragons has really been a big part of my life this year and will continue to be going forward. Um, we are doing the Dungeon Run, which is a big live play Dungeons and Dragons show that I do every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the Dungeon Run. You can also watch old episodes on YouTube. Uh, we did our 30th episode last week and we're taking two weeks off, but that 30th episode was a doozy and I urge you to check it out. It's something I'm very, very proud of this show and the comments that we get about it, I think are, uh, are justify that pride. Uh, I, you can check out my Twitter feed for some of the comments that we've gotten about the show, but people uh, are really enjoying it. I hope you check it out. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run, or you can listen to it as an audio show as an audio podcast, just like this show, anywhere you get podcasts by searching for the dungeon run. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. One more in 2019 where we'll be giving our big predictions. So we hope to hear, we hope you join us for that one. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Make it a better place, baby. <laughs> Spice Man. Wait, Christian won't like that. Complete sampling. <laughs>